1: And we have friend of the podcast and in um, regular regular um, guest on uh, Reverend Matt Miofsky. He's the lead pastor at the Gathering UMC, and he just wrote a new book called "Let Go." And
2: uh, Matt, man, thanks for thanks for being on. Yeah, it's great to be back with you guys. Thanks yeah. for having me.
1: Always, always. Why don't you tell us a little? We'll just dive. Head first into it and uh, tell us a little bit about Let Go and, uh, you know, what's, go- what's going on there and why you wrote it and what it is.
2: Yeah, uh, thanks. Well, so, you know, I've written a couple books in the past, but for small group studies and like the leadership books, but I really wanted to write a book that I could imagine, you know, giving to my neighbor, just giving to anybody, regardless of how, you know, how much they go to church. And so I tried to think of just sort of what's something that all of us have to struggle with. And I've noticed this. I don't know if you guys noticed this at your church. But every time I've had the chance over 13 years at the gathering to meet literally thousands of new people who decide to walk through the doors of a church for the first time. And, I, you know, people come to church for all sorts of different reasons. But one commonality I've found is usually people walk through the doors of a church for the first time. Because something has changed in their life, and they're trying to figure out how to deal with it. Yep. so maybe they you know they've gotten married, they've gotten a divorce. they have had a baby or they've lost someone they love. They are moving to a new place or you know getting ready to to move off to somewhere new. I mean, something has changed, and they're trying to figure out how to make sense of kind of a new reality in their life or how to navigate that change. And so I thought, You know, I've had so many conversations about that with people over the years. Um, I decided I want to write a book that my hope is it's almost like a little field guide for people who are trying to navigate change in their life, whether it's change that they've chosen or change that's thrust upon them. Uh, Because I've really come to believe that, you know, we have to deal with change. That's a given. But we can either see change as a negative, as something to resist, or we can see it as an opportunity for growth. I think the people who see it as an opportunity for growth just end, end up living more faithful and fulfilled lives. And so that's really what the book is about. Like, how do we see change as an opportunity for growth instead of resisting it?
0: Go ahead, Matt. Oh, um, so, you know, as I was reading through the book, you know, I definitely got that sense of that. And I, I, I love that this is a deal. Um, it, your intention was to be able to hand to your neighbor. Cause I was thinking, you know, man, I've got a neighbor that probably needs to hear this. Um, some things in here, um, as I was reading through it. And there's one little line in here where you wrote that, uh, trust unlocks the door to the next stage of the journey. Um, and thinking about, um, kind of where we are in the sense of the church is that in order for us maybe to take some of those next steps that we need that trust to really be able to do the next thing or um to move in that next direction and um as you were writing this um what was something maybe that you learned that you'd be you know willing to share that you couldn't put on paper
2: yeah or you didn't put on paper i guess <laughs> well i think you know in reference to what you're talking about with trust I, i'm a and i I imagine there's other people listening that are like this. Like, I'm a, such a logical type thinker. I like to have a plan. I like to chart out, you know, what it is that I'm going to do. And if I'm going to take a risk, I don't, I think a lot of us are not by nature risk takers, especially when it comes to our lives, our work, the, you know, our families. I mean, we we kind of play it safe. And I think to some extent, that's how human beings are. We strive for stability and security in the midst of a world that's pretty chaotic. And there's some good things about that, but the downside is you know, we can resist change simply because it's, it's different and it, it cuts against security and stability. And as a planner, I like to know that if I'm gonna leave behind one thing, that I know exactly where I'm headed or what the result is gonna be. And I don't wanna step out until I know that if I step out, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen. Well, the problem is most of the things in life and in the church aren't like that. We don't know what's going (laughs) to happen if we make a decision or take a risk or try something. We have to try it first, and then we find out. And so I think for a lot of us, it it keeps us sort of stunted. It keeps us stagnant um, because uh, we're, we're too scared. So trust comes in because sometimes you have to take the next faithful step without knowing where the journey is going to lead you, but you have to take the next faithful step and then God reveals kind of the next step and then the next step and then the next step. So that's how it's worked in my life. I never knew exactly where it was that God was leading me. I suspect if God would have shown me the whole path, uh, I would have said, yeah, no thanks, (laughs) but God just revealed the next step. So I think we have to trust enough just to take the next step, even if we can't see where everything is going to go. And I think that's a particularly important word for church leaders right now. I mean, I see kind of in the midst of all the uncertainty in the greater church, uh, a kind of hunkering down mentality amongst a lot of people. I don't want to do anything right now or make any big decisions right now because I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And I don't think that's a great way to lead a church
1: yeah no that's um so i've i've <laughs> in fifteen years I've served in one two three four conferences now yeah. uh, in various capacities and and so um still having friends in all of those conferences um as as we go through this in the Methodist Church and all the conversations we're having there's very much of that either or um, mm-hmm. folks are either going okay here's here's how we prepare and 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 build trust and and make a way for that next step uh, and faithfully take a step forward. And then there's no, really little in between of right. maybe, wow. right. Uh, but there's a whole lot more of well, we're going to hunker down and just, uh, and, and just maybe not do anything, you know, in, uh, and, and that's, it's fascinating that we do that as people. Um, but it for me, it's really fascinating as the Methodist Church because it seems like we're always in a season of change, because we're itinerant, because we have these general right. conferences, because we have all of these things that promote um a a a system of change, right that we're we rarely get um stagnant in our pastors, you know whether we stay. Three years, or or ten, or twenty years. You know, we know that there's that that reality that one day we'll move. You know, yeah. um, and and everything that we have throughout the social principles and the discipline promote moving forward and changing and, and creating space in this in this world that we live in for that. Uh, and yet we push back on that so much and go, oh, "Well, we've never done it
2: that way." <laughs> well, it, it, you know, in the churches. I think you know the state of the Methodist Church right now is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. So much is changing, and like you said, there are people who see that as fundamentally disconcerting, scary, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> unstable. And so what they do is they they hunker down, they stick their head in the sand, they hope that it just gets figured out, and they don't want to emerge until there's greater clarity. And so they're not going to do anything. And I see conferences doing this, you know, they're not starting new churches because why start something new and we don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I see this with pastors, why, you know, launch a new initiative or um, if we're not sure what's going to be going on, Mm -hmm. we see this financially, people don't want to give or churches don't want to spend money because of all this. And so there's just this uh, stagnation. And then there are people on the other side, I don't think as many, but some who see all the uncertainty in the greater church is actually an opportunity. It's Mm -hmm. an opportunity for the church, maybe to witness to something different, to reach people we haven't reached before, to, uh, to spark creativity and innovation because we're going to need to be different in the future. And, you know, my hope is that more leaders would see the times we're in is actually an opportunity for much needed reform of the Methodist church for creativity Mm -hmm. and innovation. Um, I'm not scared of the instability in the greater church. I think we've needed it for a long time. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not saying this to be pessimistic, but listen, the United Methodist church has never grown since its existence. I mean, we started in 1968, we've declined every year. Mm-hmm. And yet I see so many people so nervous and scared that somehow what we have is going to disappear or is going to, um, have to change radically. And I'm over here saying, you know, I'm a data person. Man, I've looked at, I mean, every year, think about that. Every year, we've declined in uh, membership since 1968. So why not um, embrace a season where we have to figure out a radically new way to do ministry? So I, I think that this is actually an opportunity for us but we can't face it with fear. And that's really what the book is about. How do we do that? How, how do we navigate that?
1: Right. Well, and, and I love that. That's, that's something that I have, uh, that question, I've had 89-year-old folks who have, uh, my churches and, and all over the place talking about this. Of Well, I was born in United Methodist. No, you weren't. <laughs> You've been a United Methodist the last 50 so years. Oh, Oh, okay. You know, and yeah. begin to frame it in the history of who we are as Methodist and where we started, how we got here, uh, and the splits and the coming together uh, that have taken place over the last couple hundred years uh, that have culminated in the last 50 of being United Methodist <clears throat> and, and framing it around that whole idea of how is this change coming up before us, an opportunity for growth, just like these were. Are they painful? Sure, they can be. But how do we take that and, and, and trust each other to find that there's an opportunity here, no matter what happens, that, that there's an opportunity for growth? And like you say, we've not grown <laughs> in the last no. 50 years. It's been a steady decline. And so how do we find ways to turn that around? Uh, that are, well, let's not that grieve aren't- too much
2: the loss of something that has not worked. <laughs> and let's <laughs> em- embrace the possibility that, God can create something that, that might be more effective. And, you know, we're talking about church, but I, I really want to take it back down. The same thing is true in our lives. I mean, you don't have mm-hmm. to be a pastor or a church leader to get this, right? I mean, um, it, just in a much, much closer to home, there are, I'll take like job uncertainty, which plagues my congregation. And I'm sure both of your congregations mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, either job dissatisfaction or job uncertainty. And there's so many people in my congregation who are either not doing what they want to be doing. They're, maybe they lost their job. They want to find a new job and you get scared because this is your livelihood. This is your money and in this kind of thing. But, um, and so oftentimes people will simply stay in something they don't like simply because to change opens up too many unknowns. Right. And, and and i've i've met with people who for 10 15 20 years have done something they hate simply because the 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 fear of the uncertainty of opening <laughs> opening it up and you know i you see this most clearly when someone loses their job um which is awful you know i don't want to minimize that but oftentimes it's also what forces them to have to think about something new mm-hmm. and if, if in many cases, if you check in with them a year, two years, three years later, they'll often reflect back and say, "Hey, losing that job was actually the best thing that happened to me right. not because it wasn't painful because it forced me right to 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 try to figure out something new and I'm actually a, a better, stronger, and happier person now that I've gone through that and so I think that you know i think that's going to be true for the church but it's true for us just as individuals that change comes oftentimes at first like a loss mm-hmm. and it's scary and it hurts but if we have the kind of steadiness and the faithfulness to work through it well, we often look back and that change becomes like a defining moment for us
1: right you know working in three rural communities 1,600 people, 350 people, 150 people yeah. are in my three communities. Um, they have all embraced that change differently. Mm-hmm. Um, my my larger community is 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 looking at it and going, hey, we've declined over the last several years, and that's really, really scary, but how do we begin to invite people in? How do we invite people to say, hey, come, come run your business here, your home office out of here. Move here, it's cheaper, you know, yeah. those types of things where... Uh, my smaller communities have done that in a sense one of them has and they've lost their school it's it's the bar the church and the co-op in town yeah. you know right. in and the one in between is in that really weird place of oh no we're okay but they've <laughs> lost all of their uh mm-hmm. they don't have a grocery store anymore they have a gas station and a couple of churches and they still have the school but they're hanging on to that oh no no we're not we're not declining we're not declining um but no, we are in, in some ways. And so how do we begin to look at that and say, how do we change uh, and answer those questions? And it it becomes a really scary, unsettling conversation to have to admit, oh, here's our reality, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and like you say, you, you, you embrace that now and you look back on it in a few years and go, oh, that was really, really hard, but it was the best thing we did to embrace that and move
2: forward. Well, uh, yeah, and the, and the truth is, you know, <laughs> people... Are, are, are innovate and are the most creative when their backs are against the wall. When they have I mean, no that's other option. reality, you don't want to go into crisis to do yeah. that. But right. if we can just remember that it can mean that these times of great change also will be the seed beds of creativity and innovation on a personal level. And I think on a, on a, a larger scale.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's definitely, I, mean, I was thinking about this like, man, I'm just going to play this video next Sunday for uh, sir, for the sermon and just, we'll just, uh, this is kind of what I was going to talk about. It seems like along the lines I want to talk about of not being afraid of moving forward um, because we do get stuck um, and our district superintendent, we met with our new DS um, on uh, Tuesday and he talked about, um, he said, you know, we celebrate the past um, and we get stuck there and we spend too much time on there. Um, we spend a little bit of time thinking about the present and where we're at and we don't spend any time looking at the future and envisioning what that could be and we really need to flip the script on that and not worry about our past you know celebrate it but not get stuck in it and work not only to sustaining our present but moving forward but also but continually being on that visioning and looking forward and and, and understanding that that's going to be an unknown. And, and it's amazing to think about, and I've been thinking about, you know, when, when the district superintendent calls you and says, Hey Matt, um, you know, we've, we've got this new opportunity for you to serve And you're just, you have that anxiety, like, Oh gosh, you know, like, I really like it here. It's really comfortable, but I really need to step out because that's what I ask our people to do all the time.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and what that, what this may mean for me and, and my family and all that stuff. And, um, that whole trust in God that, you know, that God's going to, you know, help you in that next step and that next step and that next step. And it's, it's kind of cool in the sense of, you know, we'll use a good methodist term of provenient grace. When you look back and you see, wow, God was with us. Even though we were um, struggling to make that decision and God was inching us and helping us towards that next, uh, that next step. And, and then those times of struggle, whether it's a loss of job, friends, family, you know, whatever it is, um, just that willingness to take that next step, and I'm sure we all have seen it with people that are grieving. It's getting them to take that next step, and then once they take that next step, they're they feel confident and they can take that next step and and then moving forward versus being um, stuck and sometimes <clears throat> we just find ourselves just stuck.
2: yeah, you know in the book i use I use the Exodus story as really not only an example of what of how God led people his people through change but really as kind of a template for what holy change looks like in all of our lives. Mm -hmm. So for people who may not be as familiar with the story, I mean, the Exodus story has three phases. It's leaving Egypt, which I say is leaving home, even though home was miserable. Um, It's entering the wilderness and it's uh, claiming the promised land. And what I do is I say, you know, really this corresponds to what change looks like in our lives. I mean, change starts when we have to leave behind, Eat, something that feels like home. It feels secure and stable, even if it's bad. Remember, I mean, the, the the Israelites, they were a little bit afraid to leave Egypt, even though they were slaves there, even though they had prayed for 400 years for God to do something different. Right. When it actually started to happen. It was scary because they were leaving behind at least a known quantity, even if that was awful. And we, we do the same thing, right? I mean, we stay in things that we hate or that we don't like simply because it's kind of that saying, what is it? The devil you know versus the devil you don't. Right. So the first stage of change is leaving something behind, having the, the courage to leave it behind. And the corresponding fear, of course, is the fear of loss, the fear of uncertainty. The second stage is the wilderness. And the wilderness, I think all of us can uh, identify with that. That's that in-between time where you've left one thing behind. And you can't really go back or you don't really want to go back, but the future is still uncertain. You don't know where you're going either. And so you're stuck kind of in between and you don't know how long it's going to take. You don't know what direction you have to go. Um, You're not even sure if you're going to survive it. Uh, and, and, And the temptation here is to just turn around and run back to home or to the old reality. And I see people do this all the time. Maybe this was a mistake. Maybe I shouldn't have done this. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll die out here in the wilderness, <laughs> is what the Israelites said. And then and then the, the final stage is kind of claiming the promised land. And that is like actually living into the future. And you would think this would be the easiest one. But the, of course, the story goes that when the Israelites got up on the bank of the Jordan, they essentially peered over to the promised land and said, that looks scary. I don't know if we have what it takes. I don't know if we're ready yet. Um, I thought that's what we wanted, but maybe you know, maybe we're not quite there yet. So they they literally they circled around for forty years in the wilderness because they were really scared to live into the future. And so I think that um, I think that's true of a lot of us as well that we we start we we get right up on the cusp of something new. That maybe we've been praying for, we've been looking for, been working for. But then when it's finally there, when it's kind of do or die time, we find all sorts of reasons why, well, maybe now's not quite the right time. Maybe I'm not quite ready. Maybe I haven't quite done enough discernment. And we circle around. And so that's really what the book, that's kind of the structure of the book is, you know, what's it like to leave home? What's the promise and the fears associated with that? Same thing in the wilderness, and same thing when it comes to claiming a new reality—the promised land.
1: Yeah, I love that. So I'm I'm super into imagery because I'm a I'm a visual person. Yeah, hence all the Jesus yeah, that's army, Right. me, right? Uh, parachute guy. Yeah, love that. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> and just that idea to let go of yeah, this is jumping out of a plane, right? This perfectly <laughs> fine airplane, <laughs> gonna hop right. on out.
2: Yeah. Well, and and you know, and, and that's I. You know we were looking for just kind of what does it feel like sometimes to just to, to step out to ch- you know to to change and i think for a lot of people it feels like jumping out of an airplane you know you, you don't ex- you, you think it's going to be a rush mm-hmm. but there's a lot of fear man and the yep. not open you don't know exactly where you're going to land and i mean the whole thing but uh i the basic premise in the book, and I, I think it's the first sentence in the book, is like, you got this. Like, you can do this. Um, whether it's changing a relationship that is not good in your life, changing a job that is, um, is just not fulfilling or purposeful or right for you, uh, whether it's uh, changing some social network, whether it's changing some way that you're living your life. For a lot of addicts, you know, it's just deciding to leave behind a, a life that was dependent on drinking or drugs. I mean, any of those things feel scary because you're leaving behind something that you've kind of cobbled together that works for you. But the whole premise of the book is it's worth it. And God really does have a better reality. If you'll trust God enough to step out of where you are and toward something new.
1: Right. And that's so much what we, we see in any, any of our communities, any of our churches or, or people are hanging on to those things. Um, that are super comfortable and sometimes really unhealthy, whether like say, whether it's relationships or behaviors or addictions, but we just can't let them go. You know?
2: Well, I think addiction is one that of course plagues so many people who might be listening or at least people we know and love. And it's a perfect example of one of those things where it's a, it's not good. It's like Egypt. It's a slavery of sorts. Nobody wants to be addicted to drugs or alcohol. And yet, the idea of giving those things up to those of us who've struggled with it or to people who have family members who've struggled with it, you know, it's scary to them. The first thing is like, I don't know if I can live or cope or deal without this stuff. Right. And so I'll, I'll take this, even though it's a, it, I know it's not good for me. I'll do this because I'm scared of what leaving this behind is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh man. <sighs> some good words to think about, uh, man, I, um, you know, Matt, we, we thank you for your time and, uh, uh, thanks for coming on with us and having a conversation with us about your book and other things. And, um, for those of you who are looking for the book, it's let go. It's got a really cool little cover on it. Um, you know, pick it up, um, wherever you can find, uh, books, um, and wherever you buy books, whether it's a digital book or a physical book. Um, and so for the bearded theologians i'm matt franks i'm zach beckpolt thanks for checking us out we hope you've enjoyed the conversations that we've had today on the bearded theologians beardcast and we'd encourage you to continue those conversations online at beardedtheologians.com or on our facebook page we also hope that you pick up a couple of coffee mugs to uh, satisfy your coffee mug collection have a good day